Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything School HQ, just another top 10 program, kicking things off against Austin P over the weekend, 2-0 on the horizon, Florida a week away. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those Tennessee volunteers coming in at number nine uh, at many polls and many folks just uh, agreeing that they are a top 10 team once again to talk all things Tennessee and only Tennessee on this very program and maybe college football as a whole. Fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. Uh, Before we lose too many listeners, uh, this is not just a strictly Tennessee podcast. We're talking about all all college football here today, sir. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it all runs through Tennessee. When you call it everything school HQ, everything runs through the the lens of the University of Tennessee, sir. Um, I'm excited. What a week. It feels like last week was you just had a little bit, you were able to get more attention. And I wonder, and this kind of can lead us into the Duke Clemson conversation. Like if that happens Saturday at three or Saturday at noon, do we care as much? But because it was Monday night and all of America was watching Clemson implode in the second half late, we were like, oof, is this it? And all Tuesday was the Clemson takes, the death of Clemson. Everyone looking at Clemson. My group chat and the family group chat, they were all pushing and like celebrating because I have a lot of FSU alumni. My cousin Sam, shout out to cousin Sam. Um, I got a lot of FSU folks in my family all celebrating the death of Clemson. Florida State still goes to Clemson in a couple weeks. Um, Clemson hasn't lost uh, or hasn't won less than double digit games in uh, how long uh, since Dabo Sweeney has like been? 2012? Yes. They don't lose home games. They haven't lost a home game in four years, I think, is what it is about. I'm just, let's. Can we get it a couple more weeks? Can we see Florida State win at Clemson? Can we see Clemson lose a home game? Can we see... Like, there's a degree where it's like, is Clemson done as a team that can win a title under Dabo at this point? Yes. Are they a team that can still make the playoff with Dabo? Yes. Are they still a team that can win 10-11, walk into 10-11 wins this year still? Yes. They can. I just feel like everything went so far one way. It reminded me of like the opposite of the Dion Colorado conversation where it's like, can Colorado win the Pac-12? Um, is you, said, you said you don't think they can win a title anymore, though. Is that no, what you I said? don't. Yeah, I don't think so. See, that's where I would push back. Like, I think 
they're not they're not a dynasty it that's like they're clemson was was dynastic like they were dynasty ish mm. i guess um but they were there's this era that we you can at least think of and you know what you're talking about i think like that is over like they could mm. potentially it's like we talked about alabama like them being the clear just number one better than everybody else like that is over like that was a period of time they can still be number one and win that the championship this year and then win another one four or five years from now like and just keep it going here and there but the true dynasty is is over in my opinion Clemson, this era, it just feels over because for one, well, let's be honest, like Dabo's approach is is why all this talk is is what it is. Because like he's under a lot of pressure right now because they were winning national championships, going to playoffs, and for two years in a row now they haven't. And this looks like now one game in, looks like a third year in a row. So it's just it's being a victim of your own success that you built this program with championship expectations and now they're not that. But it's he built this program. I don't feel like there's real hot seat talk. It's just he's under a lot of pressure right now. But come September 23rd, like you said, when Florida State comes to town, if Florida State beats them, like heaven forbid they embarrass Clemson and just route them in Death Valley, if something like that happens, it's like legitimate hot seat talk will start to will start to come of this because it's like this whole, I, you don't take guys from the portal and all that, and Clemson has a certain, feels like they have a certain kind of character guy they get and all that, like, they're selective. Like, fans don't care about that. Like, it was cool when we were winning championships, and honestly, I think all that stuff is kind of overblown anyway. It was always about getting elite players. Like, that's what the name of the game is. And maybe at the time in 2015 and 2016 and 2019 or 2018, they were getting those same guys that had the buy-in that were high character guys or loved the university and were also elite talents like maybe you just had a, a solid run of that but this whole like clemson was never elite because Dabo swinney is a, a good christian man and he's and he's just like a good character and all that it was because they had elite players like let's not get it twisted and right now they just don't have that like they don't have like will shipley is is the elite player on this offense right like I don't see he doesn't look like an NFL running back to me like he's he's a good player and then these receivers are just I don't know that Clemson was built on these elite receivers on DeAndre Hopkins on Mike Williams on T Higgins like we've just seen so many Justin Ross like we've seen this team with so many elite receivers that can just win one-on-one -on -one matchups and they don't look like they have that right now like I I was I didn't think Kate Klubnick played poorly it feels like he's kind of in a a Bo Nix situation. I feel like that's who we compare every quarterback who runs around, runs for his life to. But I feel like I got some Bo Nix vibes watching Cade Klubnick play. Like this, he's got talent. Bo Nix will athletic. spin it downfield. Like Bo Nix is, but who's he he's throwing a, to? a lot bigger. But I'm just saying that like, this I mean, Clemson's yard per attempt was 4.9 yards per attempt through the air. That's good for behind San Diego State. It's like 121st out of 130 FBS teams this year. But it's like when you saw Auburn play, a lot of people thought Bo Nix was trash. Like, but I'm saying he had the he cannon. Had, like, he had I, talent. I don't know if he was Cub athletic. Nick has the cannon. I don't know either. It's it's still early, but in, in his career. But I just he didn't seem like the problem with the offense. It seemed like the offensive line, the felt like lack Garrett of Gilbert out there. He felt like Garrett <laughs> Gilbert at Gilbert. Texas to me. No, I'd say he's a better athlete than than uh, Garrett Gilbert. But I, that's just that's what I felt. I didn't feel like watching Club Nick. Like that's the crazy part. Like. 
do we all know DJ Uyunglele an apology right now? Like, it looks like he went to a better situation. Maybe he wasn't the problem at Clemson. Yeah, and I looked it up. I forgot that the home game last year, they lost their streak to South Carolina in the year. I forgot that that was actually oh, at Clemson. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that was at uh, South Carolina because Tennessee was, and I thought they won both those games at home. But that was their first home loss in 40 games. So wow. that was, they had won 40 straight. And also for the Clemson, like less than 10 wins that, they haven't won less than 10 games in the regular season since 2010. Dabo's oh, second wow. year. Yeah, and then, and there's some similarities with them in Alabama, like at, at mm. different at different levels, because I feel like this is the season where like Clemson's dynasty's over, like Alabama's going downhill, like we've kind of talked about. But they both do have a lot of home games. A lot of mm. these key games are at home. Like Clemson, I think they play North Carolina, uh, Florida State, and Notre Dame. I want to say at home this year. So they, there is that that they're probably not going to lose all those games at home. Yeah, and I just. I think they're still going to sleepwalk worst case scenario into nine and three. And I also just, let's see what Garrett Ryan looks like. Yeah. But worst case on. scenario is the worst season in like 14 years. Like that but that's is, what I'm saying. Worst case terrible. scenario. I still think if I had to bet right now, I'm thinking 10 and two and 11 and one still in the regular season for me. No, I just don't 11 think and one still... is not on the, you think Florida, do you think they're beating Florida state yes, after watching? Oh, see, I don't think there's any way. I think Florida state looks like clearly a better team than them right now. Thursday, September 7th, 11.30 p.m., <laughs> Matt Green has pronounced Clemson dead. Clemson fans watching this, they're not dead. They're still top five in overall team composite talent. The defense is still really strong. They still will Shipley. We'll see what happens to Cade. It's just the dudes out wide. They don't have anyone that scares you. Maybe that's part of the reason the yards per attempt are so low and everything else. But the ACC is weak as a whole this but year, especially. And if they just beat Florida State at home, which I think they can very much do, they are going to walk into at worst ten and two, probably. See, but that's a huge if because I think that's that's when the pressure is actually on them the most. Because I'm telling you, if they lose that Florida State game, that is going like there's there's times where there's casual takes that that everyone has. It's like okay, that's not completely true. That's gonna be a casual take that is true. That mm. everyone is going to be saying. Florida State utilized the transfer portal. Why did we not utilize the transfer portal to get multiple starters? Like Alabama and Georgia recruit as good as anybody in this sport, and they'll go out and get Jamison Williams, get Jameer Gibbs. Georgia got Darian Kendrick out of the portal. Like just insert a starter. Like mm. if Dominic Lovett this year. Like if you're not doing that, like you're just not you're not doing everything that's needed to to win championships. So if you just want to do that, like go coach at Newberry college or something, you know, like it's, you're not, that's not what it takes at Clemson. So I think if, if they lose to Florida state, like that's going to be the the talking point just everywhere is that is, is does Dabo Swinney is, if he's not going to adapt, can he even, can he continue, can, can, can Clemson continue to, to keep him and, and just continue to, to do what they're doing? Like, I just, I think you're in a, in a losing situation, especially if we don't see any progress in this offense. Like, I'm I'm turning my back on Clemson. I had him in the playoff, like when we did our predictions like two weeks ago. I was thinking Garrett Riley is going to make a huge difference, and it's just one game, but seven points against Duke. And obviously, they didn't move the ball. They turned the ball over a lot. The blocked field goals too. Like, it's a game they definitely could have won. I don't think 28-7 is really reflective of kind of how the game went like i feel like it was a close game into the third and fourth quarter but um just the way that if you learn if you turn the ball over like that like you can lose to anybody for sure 
let's just it's week one i'm not going to overreact yet i think they're on watch but i will say too it's on watch Dabo retiring just straight up like i think that's mm. we're now on Dabo retirement watch i could see it honestly like he said as out. soon as the players got paid he was out so i don't know maybe he'll hold up to his word um we shall see but uh clemson we still got a couple weeks before we figure out for sure matt green um top 25 for week two what is your strongest reaction to uh the ap poll uh coming out this week with the the latest and greatest i was a little surprised by the lack of overreaction in in Mm. the first week i was thinking florida state was getting up there like taking half the ap first place votes like maybe no one thinks they're the best team what but they i'm saying they they beat LSU in convincing fashion. Sure. Like it was a huge win in week one. That's I'm I'm saying you're 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 taking the correct approach. I was just expecting like a lot more Florida State like bump. Like they got mm. three first place votes. Um, I guess I was a little surprised that Georgia still like kept like overwhelming. I was surprised like Alabama didn't start to get some first place votes or that just kind of you know just more options thrown in there. Still mm-hmm. 58 first place votes, uh, two for Michigan and three for Florida State. But also uh, Colorado jumped into 22, Duke jumped up to 21. I, I was I wouldn't have been surprised if both of them jumped like top 15 or so or into the top 10 or something just out of the overreactions uh, that we always see. But Clemson, Clemson hanging on to 25 by a thread. Colorado immediately in. I just kind of wonder where I'm like, I, I don't know. Are we sure Colorado is better than Arkansas right now? Are we sure they're better than TCU? Or not TCU. Um, you jumped A&M. Yeah, like, no. I don't know. Um, but it's just, you're, you're just, it just doesn't really matter. It's early in the season. I will say Ole Miss, I thought would jump a little bit higher. And I thought Oklahoma would jump a little bit higher based on what we saw. Because they're at 18th and like North Carolina better win. But like Oklahoma looks uh, pretty legit. Kansas State, a little too high for me. Um, and I think LSU probably should have dropped a little bit more based on how it went down. I think, uh, I'm not saying they fall out of the top 25. 14 was a little low for me. I think they should have dropped out further. But I also think the top 10, perfect. I don't know if I necessarily agree with where USC is. But by and large, I think the top 10 looks about right, right? Like that just looks like the 10 best teams before this weekend. Yeah, I could. I don't. I don't know. Uh, really disagree with it. I think um, Texas is definitely one that can. You can make an argument, but they're going to. But who would you put in front of them right now? Notre Dame's yeah. look great. I mean, they, Texas I, struggled you could argue against that Rice. Texas is better than than Tennessee or Washington, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, you're splitting hairs at this point. Texas is going to prove it this week. Like te- Texas is either going to. I mean, I guess they're not going to drop too far if they lose to Alabama, but. If they if they beat Alabama, I mean that's the number one story of the weekend, and and Texas is into the top five. Like they're they might go to number one, honestly, um, with how people love uh, Texas. But if they beat Alabama in Bryant Denny Stadium, uh, the hype might be worth it. Yeah, I mean I can't wait. I so I'm not going to the Austin P Tennessee game because Tennessee Austin P is at five, and Texas Alabama is at seven. And I'm like it's I at just five o'clock. Yeah, it's, it's a, a weird. It was a nooner. I'm there. If it's a nooner, I'm there. But I I just for Austin P I can't do it. I need to watch this game. I need to watch from the beginning. I I need to be You just go for like, the first half and then just dip out, right? It's Austin P. I could get caught up in traffic though, because you know a lot of people are gonna follow that. And I just I don't wanna risk it. I just wanna be cozy watching Bama, Texas at seven. I don't want to it's just it's Austin P. 
Uh, yeah, I'm for good. sure. This is arguably uh, like game of the year, I think, mm. uh, in just terms of off-season anticipation. Like this is the game that everyone's wanted to see. I was telling Sam, I was like, you know, she was like, what's the one? And I'm like, no, like I, whatever you want to do on Saturday night, like it's, it, uh, I, I know where I am going to be. Like this is, uh, there might not be a better college football game this year than this one um, just because of the stakes here. Like is Texas back and they almost beat them last year. And like, we're going to get into why it's just such a monumental game in the sport. But um, I don't know. Like I'm just very, very amped for Texas Bama at seven. Um, why do you want to do this, by the way, before we get into our week two picks, Matt Green, why do you want me to say that I, that I'm, I'm not a Joe Milton guy and that I hate all the QBs? No, I'm just, uh, we're just flapping our gums there uh, uh, pre-show. They don't hate all the QBs. But I, uh, seeing some of the social media interaction on some of mm. our content here, I, uh, I was a little surprised, I will say, on our conversation last week that you didn't seem too high on Joe Milton and his performance uh, versus Virginia. And I think the Tennessee fans think uh, you've lost your way. Tennessee really likes him right now. I mean, they were 88th in uh, their in-passing offense right now. Um 212 yards total here. He completes 70% of his passes. And I like, you can go back and listen to it. I'm not overly critical of Joe. My whole thing is like, we're not going to learn what Joe is until Florida. Like, we'll see what it's like on the road in a high pressure environment. Um, I don't care what Florida is at this point. Like, that's going to be a big, big test for Joe Milton. I want to see what he looks like. The receivers were all discombobulated. Like, obviously, you missed the big Ramel drop that everyone's pointed out. It's like, if he hits that 70-yard bomb, then everyone's having is fine with it. I'm like, no, because the the three the the quick drives that went in and out and that the four straight punts for Tennessee were huge in the first half. Um, and what I also said was like, he's just not the best player on offense this year. It's Jalen Wright, which is fine. Like, I'm not saying the offense is gonna be bad, and that Joe's a train wreck. Joe's fine. What I am saying is there's just the expectations for Joe don't match up to what we're seeing. And it's just kind of like, hey, he did a lot of side to side stuff. He was hitting squirrel white uh, close to the line of scrimmage, a bunch, a lot of screens, a lot of stuff to the halfback, tight end close. McCallum Castles was close and got a 16 yard depth to the catch play. But like we didn't see him air it out and the defense made him keep things in front of him, which I get. That's all fair. He had a couple drop picks. And if you go to PFF, he had three turnover worthy throws in this game um joe was fine but what i'm saying is like jalen wright's the story he's averaging 10 yards a carry like jalen wright is a dude that is what i'm saying that's the takeaway that's a positive that tennessee is going to run the ball down your throats and then when the teams are tired of you doing that then joe will have the opportunity again to air it out that hendon hooker was doing um all last year what i'm saying is he's a not as good as hendon hooker that is very evident and that's okay you can mm. still be a 10 win team and not be as good as Hinton Hooker. What I am saying is just Joe's fine. Like Joe's a B minus. Hinton Hooker was an A minus. Nico's probably an A plus next year. Like it's just it's okay to be like, all right, it's it's okay. Just it's fine. Like he's not bad. I'm not saying he's a D. People just hear that and they're like, F, you hate Joe Milton. You think sucks. I'm like, Joe's fine. <laughs> he's good enough for what they need this year in this transition year. You he's, know what I you know what he's I think a B minus. I think you're you're a big first quarter guy. Mm. And Tennessee didn't get off to a to a like a, a quick start necessarily yeah. in the first. The offense kind of you know they went they got stopped on that fourth down early on. Like it mm. wasn't it wasn't smooth necessarily uh, the the most of the first half. Yeah, but they did get it together. Like twenty one to thirty, like two hundred yards, two touchdowns, no picks. It was like, just clunky. Can I see more? Can I see him not clunky at 
can I? To be I honest, the, the athletic ability is what I was kind of most impressed with because I didn't know that. I don't know that he has that in him. It may like it's Virginia. Maybe he's not worried about getting hit too hard by anyone on on their defense. But um, that's the biggest question I have is if if he's just a statue in the in the pocket because I feel like that's kind of what he's been in his career to this point. So if he can. He seems like like there's certain quarterbacks that me and my brother were talking about that this week. They're they're just like they have athletic ability, but they don't necessarily have like the mentality to run. And like I was kind of weird. The comparison we came up with for Joe uh, for Joe Milton was kind of like Jamarcus Russell, and that just sounds oh, like God. disrespectful because of what he was in the NFL. But think about what he was in college. He was obviously really good at LSU, mm-hmm. and he was a, a first overall pick. But he kind of had some athletic ability. But he, more importantly, he just had a rocket arm, and he had a little bit of, a little bit of something. If you di- if you disrespected his his uh, his mobility, he had a, he had like a game winning, like a tight touchdown run to beat Tennessee one year, right? When he was mm-hmm. in college, I, I feel like I have visions of like him like putting the ball over the pylon or something like that. Last second um, was like probably 2000, 2006, uh, 2005. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities. I mean, all they talked about was that Marcus Rockles. Jamarcus Russell could throw it 70 yards from one knee or whatever. Like, I'm sure he threw it 90 at some point. Joe Milton loves to – everyone loves to talk about he throws it 90 yards. And it's like – well, Speaking is, of this that, is he This is computers. already getting on – this is already getting on Jake Fromm Little League World Series level. Well, he got in like some – he he missed a couple throws. He hit – he was still throwing some heat on some stuff he does not need to throw gas on. Um, So that will continue to get better. He's just – like, he's fine right now. Let me see Florida, and then I will – readdress how i feel about joe Mellon. let me see what happens in the swamp folks can we get there can we can we see what happens but also that's the is that week, is that week three week hmm? four week three that's next next that's weekend next week okay yeah Ooh. always excited for tennessee florida yeah then south carolina not long after that tennessee's got a little fun uh fun streak here uh coming up George has got, uh, got a nice little preseason NFL schedule uh, before they actually ramp things up. When is South Carolina? Is that week four or five? That's week. That is week three. So I'm disrespecting the Gamecocks. Um, that's next week also. Okay, well, that's good. Um, well, Matt Green, um, we have a week to pick them to get into here. Uh, would you like to refresh the listeners uh, where the champion of 2022 and currently the leader and most likely the betting favorite to be the champion back-to-back on this very pick'em show here. Matt Green, how is it looking going into week two? Uh, the person who won overall pick'em by one game last mm-hmm. year, yes. uh, that would be you. You went eight and three overall uh, in mm. week one. Uh, I went six and five <sighs> overall. Not great. Uh, you went seven and four against the spread, and I went five and six against the spread. So... Uh, mm. Uh, Zeus did get his home dog of the week. He didn't pick the Duke Blue Devils. That was definitely the pick right there. But uh, the Indiana Hoosiers, they covered that big spread. So Zeus is 1-0 on the season. Okay. I like it. Uh, Matt Green, where are we going first? We are going to our college game day, game of the week, game of the season, like we just alluded to. Texas Longhorns, this was a doozy last year. Go on the road. Alabama Crimson Tide are a seven-point favorite at home. How do you see this game going? I've gone back. What are you most excited about for this game? What am I most excited about? Um, I want to see, like, 
I think people have kind of already started changing their perspective based on Bama blowing out Middle Tennessee and uh, Rice and JT Daniels giving Texas some problems. Um, Milrow, I'm excited to see what he looks like against this ten- uh, Texas front. I'm excited to see what a full fingers crossed game of Quinn Ewers versus this Bama defense looks like. Um, I think there's just so many different things like Bama didn't turn the ball over last week. Uh, that's, I wonder if that continues this week. Milrow led Bama in rushing last week. Is that something that continues? Are they banking on Milrow being a do it all kind of guy? Can he take that kind of beating, uh, in a physical game like Texas? Um, Ewers last year before he went out nine to 12, as we alluded to this off season, like he was like, how does that game go? And how does that change the season? Xavier Worthy was awesome. There's more talent. Your guy, A.D. Mitchell, in there. Uh, there's just a lot of dudes uh, on this Texas offense surrounding Quinn Ewers. And C.J. Baxter, uh, big-time recruit. Uh, I'm very curious to see what he looks like. I mean, Texas has got the better wideout to scare your playmakers. Um, they're deeper in a lot of areas. I'm, I'm curious. Like, last year, 12 penalties for Alabama in that game. It was kind of a mess. Um, they were really, really lucky to get out of there with a win even after Quinn Ewers was knocked out. The thing I'm most interested in is it kind of goes back to the Dabo and Clemson thing. They just don't lose at home very much. So as excited as I am about this game, if you're a Texas fan, you're like, man, I wish we got this one at home this year. And last year was the one at Alabama. Um, because look, 104 and eight. That is Nick Saban's record at Bryant Denny as Alabama's head coach. And those eight defeats bad. that he has, I found this online. His eight defeats, grand total of 37 points or 4.6 points per loss. So when he does lose at home, it's very, very close. Um, and they don't happen often, Matt Green. So my biggest thing, though, the thing that I'm most curious and what I hope happens is I want to see what Bama looks like if they're in a hole. I want to see what Milrow looks like if they go down 17-10, 17-3, like if they have a couple turnovers, if they get caught up in a mess and Texas punches them in the face right out of the gate here, I want to see how this Alabama team responds. I want to see how this offense responds. I want to see what Tommy Reese and Milrow and company look like. What do the wide receivers look like when they have to pass the ball, when they're taken out of their uh, the, taken out of their game plan? Like I want to see more than anything Bama on the ropes and that that's what i'm looking for is what i'm hoping is i don't know if that means so it means that bama loses but i just want to see bama in a hole more than anything i want to see what that looks like for them yeah i agree and i'm glad you said like when they have to pass because mm-hmm. that's the one thing well for one we don't learn hardly anything from these cupcake games but just taking the middle tennessee state game at, at face value like this joyless murder ball that they're gonna play it's like they had 200 yards rushing on Miss on on Middle Tennessee, like five five yards a carry. Jalen Milrow was the leading rusher, seven carries for 48 yards. Like that's that wasn't the joyless murder ball. Like one of those is a, a botched snap that this guy's just the best athlete on the field and he just ran for 25, 30 yards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Jace McClellan was 10 for 39. Like Roydell Williams seven for 36. Like that's fine, but like this is MTSU. Like you're supposed to be joyless murder ball, like mowing these teams down, like run blocking road graders or whatever. Right. So that's the one thing I, I kind of take, like Texas has a pretty good run defense. I mean, I think they're going to have a pretty good run defense this year. Not so, just like, pretty good. They ever, they only allowed one yard per carry last week against rice. 
for sure. It's still Rice, so I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know, but yeah, I, I think they're definitely going to be uh, one of the better run defenses. So Bama's going to have to pass. And I think if it becomes a shootout, because you mm. said, like you said, what eight eight home losses? Yes. Right off the top of my head, I'm thinking of three Heisman Trophy winners that did mm. it. It's like Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like that's what it takes. Quinn Ewers. Like, is that what is Quinn Ewers our Heisman Trophy winner in 2023? Like, is he that guy? Like, is he put his team on the on his back? Like, and just have his is Joe Burrow. Maybe Xavier Worthy moment? has like a 200 plus yard game, like a Marvin Harrison type game for them. For sure, and with yeah. with Xavier Worthy and uh, Ad Mitchell and Jordan Isaiah Whittington. Nair, like yeah. I just like I I've just heard so much hype about this Alabama defense that like I really don't think they have the guys to just mm. match up in the secondary with with Texas wide receivers. Like I I I don't know. Like I I just saw these two teams play a year ago and. I know um, blanking on Battle, Jordan Battle is a, a starter from that team that's gone. Like Caleb Downs, he could be a potential superstar, but this guy is playing essentially his first college game against Texas. Like mm. whatever, Middle Tennessee State counted, he got on the field, but th- this is going to be a completely different level of football. So this guy, I guarantee Steve Sarkeesian is going to do something to fool a true freshman safety at some point in the game, you know, like, you can't you honestly can't convince me that Texas hasn't just been preparing for for Alabama the entire offseason like they who do we play rice like that's just another scrimmage on our way to the Alabama game so I think Texas has obviously had this game circled Sarkeesian is one of the best offensive minds in college football like I and just on top of the talent that this offense has like I think I have to take Texas in this one I I think I think last year, like you said, like th- it would be nice if th- this was the year they got uh, Alabama at home. I think last year was a confidence builder. I think last year showed like we can play with these guys, and I think they're better than they were a year ago. And I think the number one story out of this weekend is going to be Texas is back. Mm. Whether they are or not, that's going to be the story. <laughs> are you ready to make our picks here? Yeah, man, that's it. I'm, that's my Texas pick. I'm on the board. Hold on, you're doing it. Yeah, they're they're beating Alabama. They're going into Bryant Denny. I don't know. I'm not calling my shot that Ewers is is another Heisman uh, Trophy winner, but uh, I think I just think this offense is too much. I think there's it, this is going to become a shootout, and Alabama does not have the offensive weapons, the firepower. And I think if if Jalen Milrose having to, he looked really good throwing the ball, but if he's having to throw the ball a lot there's going to be some turnovers. And I think, I think this Texas offense is just, I think they, I think they're just better. Hmm. I'm not there. Ooh. I don't want to be right here. I want us to see Alabama go down here. You're, you're predicting the eight and four, right? That they're, they're firing save This is, it's got to start somewhere, right? Or save retiring. I want to see it happen. I don't think it's going to happen here. It's so, not uh, this Texas school that beats Alabama. It's one they'll play uh, in a couple weeks. So what is Alabama it? Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, do you think your opinion was changed by week one? I think I didn't like what I saw from Texas. Still a little too clunky for me. I don't like the history of Bama at home. Like that kind of scares me. Like you said, like it takes that Heisman type. I just don't know if Quinn yours is that guy. Like, I don't know if we're going to see that version of him in this game really step up. I think about the TCU game last year where that was a big moment for Quinn Ewers and company. 
and they really went into a shell. That was not a good look for Texas against TCU. And a good, and you're like, well, that was TCU. They were in the CFP. Well, yeah, that's what we're looking at here. Bama is a CFP contender. Like, this is one of those kind of moments. I'm just not there. I, I can't do it yet. I think Bama and Texas are going to both fall in the mud. I think this offense looks a lot more um, human, a lot more limited than what we saw against in Middle Tennessee State last week. I think it's going to be close. I just don't think Texas ultimately pulls it out. And I think it might be a really dumb ending where Texas just fumbles it away or something crazy in a very Texas-like way. I'm going to say Alabama beats Texas 27-23. 27. Okay, so you're taking Texas uh, with the points. Yes. Okay, I know. Texas is going to win outright, sir. Mm. Where are we going next? Next, at noon on Saturday, we got the Fighting Irish going on Mm. the road. We got a home dog, the NC State Wolfpack, seven-and-a-half-point dog at home. How do you see this game going? Notre Dame's legit, and I think people need to understand that like Notre Dame's coming, and a lot of the Southeastern Conference fans are not going to like this. But Notre Dame is – I can't wait for Notre Dame-USC because right now I've got that Notre Dame over USC – pick locked and loaded ready for this because i think sam hartman's legit best quarterback they've had in south bend in a really long time he doesn't even have to really do a whole lot he's just kind of coasting at this point nc state barely survived against uconn you can make the case they should have lost this game seven and a half is actually pretty friendly for the Wolfpack. the thing is their defense is loaded they have nfl dudes on this defense i think the defense is going to be really strong uh, by and large in this game. So I think this could be a little bit ugly, but Audric Estime is a guy. And Notre Dame is just so loaded. That's the thing I jotted down like through the first two weeks in Notre Dame football. They have so many running backs. <laughs> they are a run first team and Sam Hartman will air it out when he needs to, but I think they're going to run it down NC State's throat. Uh, NC State 121st in yards per carry on defense. They get have been, they got gashed by UConn last week over six yards per carry. I think this is the Audric Estime game. And if you're asking me to pick Brennan Armstrong for Sam Hartman, can't do it. My favorite stat about Notre Dame through two weeks, though, 14 of 18 on third down. Great third down team. Top five in the country right now. I like that. If you're able to convert third down, especially on the road, goes a long way. Give me Notre Dame to win and cover something like 30 to 30 to 13. I don't think NC State's very good this year. I'm selling all my okay, NC yeah, State stuff. I was going to say the same thing. Like that UConn game, like they just look pretty ugly. Um, I feel like Notre Dame is just, like you said, Sam Hartman is just, he's the best quarterback they've had in, I don't know, a decade plus. Like, mm-hmm. so this team, this looks like just a really solid team. He's what, completing 83% of his passes right now, six touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, Notre Dame seems like an easy win here. All right. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Next on our pick we are going to the hottest team in college football. Renewing a rivalry. The oh, Colorado I thought you were Sam Hartman again. Okay, back to where. <laughs> That's uh, the hottest quarterback in college mm. football. But the hottest team in college football and are debatably a hotter quarterback. Shador Sanders, not mm. or, or we've gotten all we've gotten off the looks. Good looking guy. Uh, yeah, he's a good looking guy in his own right. 
Um, Nebraska, three and a half point dog on the road at Colorado. This is our big noon kickoff. Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson is going to do every uh, Colorado <laughs> game this year, I guess. Um, they got great ratings, so keep doing what they're doing. But um, at this point, man, I'm just I'm not picking against Dion. I'm not picking against Coach Prime. He's going to call me out personally if I pick against Colorado. So I'm uh, I'm jumping on the bandwagon of the Buffs. Not necessarily full all the way, but Nebraska's not a good team either. So I think Colorado keeps it rolling. So give me the give me Colorado to win and cover. First of all, I'm excited that we have good Colorado and Nebraska to talk about. Like this, I've missed this game. I grew up on Chris Brown running all over and ruining Nebraska's season. Uh, Bobby Purify. Yeah, like that. That was a good time. So I'm glad this game is back in my life. Um, first and foremost, I'm excited. My eyes will be glued to this Colorado being good. It's good for the sport. All eyeballs are there. I'm excited to see what it looks like. That being said, Nebraska's defense is stingy. You go back and watch Minnesota. I understand Minnesota. Rough offense. Matt Rule knows defense. I'm not sure about Marcus Satterfield and that offense over there in Lincoln, Nebraska. Some South Carolina fans have some thoughts on Marcus Satterfield. That being said, I think this is going to be ugly. Like You saw the high scoring just back and forth affair from TCU and Colorado a week ago. That TCU defense has problems. I don't think this Nebraska defense, a lot of your guys, a lot of Georgia transfers wound up at Nebraska. Um, there's like a little transfer pipeline for oh, yeah. one, Georgia guys who don't work not, out. They go to not Nebraska. Not so great right now. Um, but Matt Green, Nebraska 17th in yards per attempt through the air defensively. Shador Sanders threw for over 500 yards. Jeff Sims ran all over minnesota 19 carries for 91 yards a week ago i think this is going to be a good bounce back game for sims i think it's gonna be a good bounce back game for nebraska minnesota sneaky has the top 10 defense in the sport they had it the last two years it's a really good one again colorado's defense is not good tcu was able to do whatever they wanted against this colorado defense i don't think this is going to be the track me i saw that over under like 66 for this game total points i go under I'll be surprised if it's over. I think you're looking at Nebraska in a nice bounce back win where everything is coming up Colorado at this point. Mm. 70s in points in uh, air yards defensively through the first week. They have given up the most points of any team in the Pac-12. Colorado had their share of 50, 40, 60, 70 yard plays. They had their big plays. Nebraska's not giving them up. I think they're a big play offense. I think what Sean Kelly's trying to do is they're going big. They're going big or going home. I don't think Nebraska's going to give those up in this game. I think Nebraska's defense is solid. I have questions about Satterfield and Jeff Sims. This is going to be ugly. This is going to be ball control. I think this is going to be one of those. Oh, hold on. Colorado is not close to winning the Pac-12. Colorado might make a bowl game, but let's, let's take a step back. They're going to be fun each week. But this is a very different defense than what they played a week ago. It's at home. That helps a lot. But there's a reason this line's only at three. That Colorado, it's basically a, a toss-up at this point. And I'm going to go Nebraska wins outright. 24-21 Nebraska. Wow. Yeah, Nebraska turned it over four times last mm -hmm. week. So I just, uh, Colorado has the vibe of like maybe like a USC type of defense mm -hmm. a year ago that like, 
they're going to give up a lot of big plays, but then they're going to get some turnovers and they're going to jump some routes. Like their defense is going to, they're just going to make things happen. And so mm. I don't know. I, I question Jeff Sims in this offense for sure. But uh, you're picking against Dion, and you know that's that's on you because he's gonna call you out personally for it. I love not Dion. me though. I just not me. I like Nebraska uh, here. Also, who are you picking? You didn't say. Yeah, I said I'm picking Colorado. I'm not picking oh, what's against your score? Prime. Oh, I haven't been given scores, but um, give me like a uh, give me a 31, uh, 31 17. Oh, kind of convincing one for Colorado. Yeah, I think I think Colorado takes care of business in this one. All right, where are we going next? By the way, my Texas Alabama score didn't throw mm. it out there. 34-24. Wow. Multiple scores. Texas wins by multiple scores. Th- throwing it out there. Twitter will be a fun time at that point if, t- we'll if Texas we'll wins by double digits here. Um <clears throat> excuse me, keeping it moving. One of the sneakiest games of the weekend. Um Tulane Super Bowl is on Saturday, sir. Mm. Um this is kind of like Cincinnati's uh, Cincinnati's game with Notre Dame a couple years ago, right? Ole Miss, a little different because Ole Miss isn't necessarily Notre Dame, but Ole Miss is going on the road at Tulane, and the Green Wave is a seven-and-a-half-point home dog in this one. How do you see this game going? This is going to be good. I'm glad it's a sellout. I saw that, and Tulane was in their advertising and that picture on Twitter. I saw that they had, like, Ole Miss logo in green. Um, nice touch here. And this is turning into a sneaky robbery. Like I've been pushing for Tulane to take over the Vanderbilt spot in the SEC. And we're like, <laughs> let's kick them out. Let's put them in there. Um, let's get Tulane back in the SEC. Tulane LSU <clears throat> rivalry. That'd be healthy. That'd be fun. Yeah. Like who says no to Tulane back in the SEC? I mean, that's true. We got a, we got an Alabama in-state rivalry, a mm-hmm. Mississippi in-state rivalry, a Louisiana one. I'm here for it. Enough talent to go around. I think it'd be fun. Um, Ole Miss sneaky had a great first week. Jackson Dart looked electric, like a totally different quarterback. Um, for the Rebs, and I'm buying. A, I'm drinking a lot of Kool Aid here for Lane Kiffin's bunch. Top four PFF offense. Um, last week he completed seventy percent of his throws, six TDs. I think it was the sneaky best showing of any offense in the SEC in week one. Tulane. Right out of the gate, 62nd in pass defense. I think Old Miss is going to light them up. I think this is going to be a statement game. I think this Old Miss team looks different. This Old Miss team feels like a nine and three type year for Old Miss. I'm buying a lot of Old Miss stock here. Give me the Rebs to both win and cover significantly. I think this is going to be Old Miss 37 to lane 20. I just uh, the only thing I hope for this game is that Ole Miss has a better uniform combination with their opponent. I don't know if you watched the Ole Miss last week. Who did they play? I don't even remember who it was. I have to go back. Worst highlights I've ever seen in my life. Ole Miss is rocking white helmets, red jerseys, white pants. Whoever they're playing is rocking white helmets, white jerseys, red pants. It looked like a scrimmage. Mm. Terrible. They have so many options. Grinds my gears. Should've been rocking navy. Whatever mm. it is. So that's the first thing I'm going to say about Ole Miss. Second thing I'm going to say about this game, I'm not with you on buying Ole Miss's stock necessarily for this season, but Tulane had the 71st ranked run defense in the country last year, and that was a really good Tulane team. You know what Ole Miss wants to do. Quinshawn Junkins, maybe the best running back in the SEC, second best in my personal opinion. 
they're they're gonna run the ball. And like you said, Jackson Dart, I hear he's improved. You heard a lot of the great practice talk uh, that everyone loves to say, best shape of his life, never felt better, all all the good stuff. But he looked better last week, and I think I might be buying it, and I'm with you. I'm going to take Ole Miss to win and cover. It was Mercer, by the way, last week. Mercer, there you go. I thought Mercer was orange. Looked pretty red, reddish-orange, uh, the pants they were rocking. But, um, yeah, it was a terrible – one of the worst uni, uni uh, matchups you'll see. Um, Tulane's best linebacker will not be in this game available. Uh, Corey Platt, who had 15 tackles last week for them. Yeah, I just and there you go. They even add that on there too. Like I just don't see them stopping mm. this Ole Miss uh run offense. And then if Jackson Dart is is improved and this adds a, a passing a more dangerous passing element to this offense, they're gonna be tough to stop for anyone in the SEC, much less uh Tulane. So this is their this is their Super Bowl. So it could be a close one for a while, but I think Tulane uh the seven and a half does make me worry a little bit. It's like it's gotta be by two scores. But I think Ole Miss can get that done. Did you you pick a score for this game? Yeah, I said 37-20. 37-20. Okay, you're saying easily. Give me mm-hmm. like a you make a 34, a 34 24 for this one. Is that the same score I just picked Wait, for Texas what, Alabama? What, yeah, it what's could happen. Over here. Get 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 him out Whatever. of here. Whatever. Um, you put me on the spot with these scores. You're the one who just Okay. <laughs> Arch Manning and Deuce McAllister uh, are gonna be in attendance here. So there you go. Oh, is that right? So mm-hmm. who are they rooting for? I'm going to guess Tulane because they're local. I guess, but they, they're not. Well, Archie was... went to Ole Miss, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Deuce, oh, yeah. They're Deuce yeah, what am I saying? Ole Miss guys. What, am what I are saying? you talking about? I'm thinking Saints yeah, for both he of was them. You New know what's weird? I'm thinking them both Saints. That's, uh, I... that's a good call. Yeah. They're uh, they're rooting for Ole Miss in this one. Yeah. Safe to say. <laughs> Deuce McAllister. Um, also, I skipped over this one. Um, Utah at Baylor. The Baylor Bears coming off the upset loss to Texas State, where apparently TJ Finley is good now. Baylor's I love that po- story, by the way. I love the transfer story of like the guy. Like I wish JT balled out this year for Rice. Like these because like people who hate the transfer, like the guys who make fun of these quarterbacks who've transferred multiple times. I think he's just like the journeyman quarterback in the NFL where it's kind of cool to see like a Case Keenum pop at Minnesota at the end of his career where he's like now he's on an NFC title run in his ninth team. Like I actually don't mind it with the quarterbacks. Like I think it's kind of cool if a quarterback bounces around and then he finally finds the right fit. His final year, like Jack Plummer wins like twelve games this year for Louisville out of nowhere on his nineteenth team. I'm well, actually okay with it. Why... TJ Finley being awesome at Texas State is great. Love that. Well, I think that's why the rule was always if you went down a classification, you didn't have to sit out because he's mm-hmm. like, well, you can't play at this level, so you're just you're just moving down to the appropriate level. So mm-hmm. yeah, to have success and beat a Power Five team, that was big time. Um, so I'm looking at Utah Baylor and like part of you wants to overreact to them losing to Texas State, you know, and Utah just beat Florida, but we don't know how good that Florida team is necessarily. It feels like this is like an opportunity for a letdown, honestly. Like this is a, it's going to be a, your classic Big 12 matchup of Utah and Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take Utah to win, but but I think Baylor keeps it close. Like, I think this is like a, they, they escape with a win so like like a 31 30 kind of thing like i think this is going to be a a close game so give me utah to uh to win but baylor to cover wow cam rising maybe ago maybe not i wonder but i'm also not that concerned based on what we saw from barnes and um 
the dual. They don't need a quarterback. Yeah, they really don't. They could just play whoever, and they're just. Um, I think Aranda said, "Yeah, here it is. They have the ability with all three of them to run the quarterback. So I mean, they just it doesn't really matter who it is, but it does seem like it sucks for Baylor to have to prepare for three quarterbacks this week, right? Because you don't know if it's Cam, and then if it's not Cam, then you have to. They're going to play both if Cam's not ready to go. So it's got to be really difficult to prepare for." utah at this moment but the utah we saw last week was quite good and another force to be reckoned with i i think baylor's got real problems like yeah it's cool that tj finley had this kind of showing for texas state but like 440 yards texas state this defense looks like it's a problem for baylor and i just utah's just so well coached and i understand it's a road game here and it it'll be rocking it's suddenly a sneaky big game for baylor david aranda needs it's not like they had this great follow-up year to making the big 12 title game two years ago um i don't know they're blake shapen being out is a tough blow because he actually was pretty solid uh in that first game they're 29th in uh uh passing offense uh so uh to this point so i i don't know like I went back and forth on this, Matt Green, because I could see Baylor winning this game. The line's down to eight. The over-under is 47. I think this is going to be low-scoring and ugly. I just don't think this is where Utah gets tripped up. Utah's going to get tripped up once or twice this year in the regular season, but I don't think it's here. But I do think Baylor covers. So give me Utah 24, Baylor 21. There we go. And uh, moving on to Iowa and Iowa State. The battle for the Cyhawk trophy. Mm. Cyclones are a four-point home dog this week, sir. And um, a, lot of, a lot of weird stuff. A lot of turmoil. A lot of negativity around this program right now. Which one are you talking about? One's lost like a third of the roster to gambling violations, and one is just can't score 25 points a game. Which one I'm are you talking about? I'm referring to the one that seems to have another player every week uh, get in trouble for gambling. Mm. Um, but I just don't trust Iowa. So I feel like this is a weird rivalry. Iowa State won last year. I like the first, I think it was like seven in a row that Iowa had won before that. Mm. Um and I think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna trust the home atmosphere. They're gonna rally around the negativity, and I was not gonna score more than 21 points in this game. So it's doable. You just maybe you get a return, you get a special teams touchdown or something. But uh, this is a weird rivalry that like you don't need usually don't need more than two touchdowns to win this game, which does bode well for Iowa because they're not good at scoring more than two touchdowns. But uh, what was this? Was this ten seven? I want to say last year Iowa State won this one. Um, yeah, they so, won for the first time in a long time last year. Um, yeah, it was like six or seven in a row. I think I had it. Iowa had won time. six straight before okay. last year. So it was on the road. Now they're coming back into uh, into Ames. So. I don't have a lot to base it on. Iowa State has, you know, they looked they fine last week. Who was it? Northern Northern Iowa they played. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just this is a weird game, and I don't trust Iowa to, to go on the road and put up any points. So give me, a, give me Iowa State like 13 to 9 or something like that. We disagree again. Iowa, this is going to be gross. I mean, unfortunately for all those in attendance, you get a bunch of, like, it's not going to be a fun hang. I don't think with all the presidential candidates who are being announced uh, appearing at this game. So that's tough uh, nonetheless. But when I look at this game, Matt Green, A, I think slop. Slop city here. 
Iowa State has the worst Big 12 passing offense through the first week of the college football season. Iowa, if you go through their offensive numbers across the Big 10, near the bottom in just about every category. We talked about Iowa had won six in a row in this series uh, last year, uh, before losing last year. Iowa's, I mean, they couldn't even outgain Utah State, and they won 24-14. They had less than 300 yards of total offense. I mean... They had 250 for Iowa State in that one, which was more than Northern Iowa. I don't think you're going to see a lot of points. I don't think you're going to see a lot of yards. I don't know. Like, I think this is going to be low scoring, ugly, but I somehow don't think Iowa State's going to be able to outscore Iowa, which is such a weird thing to say out loud. Um, and I also picked Iowa to go uh, 11-1, 10-2 type season and make the Big Ten title game. So I got to stick with the with the Hawkeyes here to pull out the dub. I'm going to say Iowa 17, Iowa State 3. Oh, wow. It's a nice uh, defensive display from the Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this – oh, also, forgot to shout it out. Uh, this is the home dog of the week. Mm. There's a lot of home dog options, but this, this is the home dog – uh, that you want, um, and not to call Tori out. I hope she doesn't uh, hate me for uh, saying this. She didn't even know what the home dog of the week meant until earlier today. We've been doing this for like three years, Zeus being the home dog of the week. What did she think it meant? She did not even know that it meant a team that was the underdog at home. I don't but hold even on. Know. What did she think it meant then? That's what I want to know. What's the alternative here? What I did forgot. she think it meant? I have to ask her. I forgot to think. I forgot to clarify what she even thought it meant i don't know maybe that was an excuse just to uh to take pictures of zeus but i have um, so many questions now like what she thought home oh, dog man. of the week was home dog of the week the team because we're taking home. teams like there's guys there's name like i, I just want to know what I, I don't i have so many follow-up questions to this that's true i didn't give you enough information i'll have to uh, i'll have to follow up with report you, but, back uh, matt green i uh calling her out for sure so i don't want to, she won the pick last year of our, our group pick and she didn't know doesn't even know what the home dog is so mm-hmm. whatever just trust her process it's working for her. but uh yeah i had to uh, i had to throw that out there that's funny uh matt green where are we going next keeping it moving six o'clock on espn plus we got smu and oklahoma Oklahoma's a 16 and a half point favorite in this one. Um, my guy Josh Pate really uh, steered me wrong last week, you know, and I think he's mentioned something on his pod this week. I think people were hitting up his DMs because his Arkansas State Oklahoma pick a week ago. It was like a 36 point spread. I think mm-hmm. it was 35 0, like two minutes into the <laughs> second quarter. So that I was watching, I was like, okay, I'm going to give up on this one. I, I don't know what it ended up being, like 73? Yeah, it was 73, 73 nothing, I think. Zero. 73 to, yeah, zero. Yeah, sure. but Oklahoma, they looked like Oklahoma. Like mm. big plays in special teams, big plays in the passing game, just like effortlessly making 50-yard plays. Like that's what we're used to seeing uh, with this Oklahoma offense. And like it's it was just, who was it? Uh, Arkansas State. Mm. not not exactly a juggernaut but i just uh i think this is the year two team that i'm a big year two head coach guy and the one i don't think i gave enough love to this offseason of like if oklahoma they're one of those teams that could they're not it's not a rebuild like they can bounce back pretty quick uh with the tradition and just everything that they've been and they look i was really impressed with them last week even if it was a cupcake they just they look more like oklahoma so 
Give me uh give me Oklahoma to win this one big, like a, a 45 to to 17 kind of game. Not so fast, my friend. Ooh. Last year, Oklahoma. Ted Ted Roof is still calling uh this defense. He's still the DC over here. Also, may I remind you, Chad Morris, Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott. Do you know what coaching tree is really, really foul at the college level right now? It's the Dabo Sweeney coaching tree. Mm. A lot of Bill Belichick vibes. He didn't there. start with Dabo though, right? Like he was at Oklahoma under Stoops before going to Clemson, right? Yes. He was a Stoops guy. So you know, not not he's not full Dabo. He's I mean, he's full Dabo to me. <laughs> he's full Dabo here, Matt Green. He was with Dabo for a really long it had it had to be the perfect job to get Venables. He wouldn't even take Auburn. He had to go to OU. Back to OU. Last he was year, full Dabo because he 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 was around there for a, a long time as the hottest coordinator out there. People never thought he was going to leave. Yeah, you look at it. Last year they opened forty five thirteen against UTEP, thirty three to three against Kent State. They beat the crap out of Nebraska, forty nine fourteen on the road. Then proceeded to lose to Kansas State, forty one thirty four. Big Twelve champs. Get blown out the following week by TCU 55-24. National runner-up. Get blown out again, 49 nothing to your arch-rival Texas. What, 8-5 and five team? Yeah. <laughs> Barely survive a shootout against Kansas, 52-42. Beat a bad Iowa State team, 27-13 on the road. Lose again at home to Baylor, 38-35. Lose again on the road at West Virginia, Matt Green. They closed the year, of course, by losing on the road at Texas Tech 51-48. And then, of course, lost to Florida State in their bowl game. What I am saying is, calm it down on the Arkansas State thing. They're bad. Dylan Gabriel looked good. I'm not so quick to believe in this Oklahoma team. I'm not so quick to believe that they are they have righted the ship. Things are great. All systems go in Norman. I'm going the other way. SMU has their highest rated quarterback ever under center. Four-star kid. He's good. I think he's going to be really fun. Preston Stone. All time. They haven't played this game since 1995 somehow, Matt Green. OU, the best third down team in the country through one week. That matters. We'll see if that translates. Oklahoma leads the series 5-1-1 all time. However... Stone looked really good. Three TDs, 248 yards, 62% completion percentage in that opener. They're awesome. SMU's offense with Rhett Lashley and company has been awesome. SMU's offense with Sonny Dykes, it goes back. They have always been a top 15 FBS scoring team. Five straight years, Matt Green. Five straight years. The reason I bring that up, I am not a believer in this Oklahoma defense. I don't care. Arkansas State's Horrific. Butch Jones, I don't think, is going to keep his job much longer with the Red Wolves. People have overcorrected way too much in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to win this game, but it's going to be a dog fight, and it's going to be high scoring, and it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be, I'm going to say, Oklahoma wins 48-45 with SMU wow. having a real chance to win this game late. SMU's good. This offense is good. And I'm not a believer in this Oklahoma defense at this point. I think Oklahoma's offense will be great all year. 
Don't believe in the defense. Take SMU in the points every single time. Oklahoma's a 9-3, 8-4 fraud. Get this out of here. I am over the Oklahoma discourse already. Wow. I, um, to be fair, I'm not, I'm not like super high on Oklahoma. I am definitely taking them to win this game. But, mm. uh, I was just impressed with that. I'm not making decisions based on the Arkansas State game, not long term decisions. They outscored UTEP and Kent State 100 to like 16 their first two weeks last year. That's a, that's a fair point. We shall see, sir. Keeping it moving, uh, a Pac 12, Big 12 matchup. A future Big Ten, Big Twelve matchup. Mm. Oregon at Texas Tech. We got another home dog on our hands, sir. I thought about this one. I, I looked at Texas Tech, and you know, obviously lost to Wyoming. Was triple overtime last week, and that's not how they wanted to start the season. As a little dark horse in the Big Twelve, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of preseason buzz about what Texas Tech could be. Mm-hmm. Six and a half. I just I look at what this Oregon team did a week ago, and obviously, the the competition is going to be a little bit better. They scored eighty one points. What do they have? Thirteen drives in that game, eleven touchdowns. They scored on their like first ten drives of the game. Um, I just think this Oregon team is too good. I um, I think it could be a game. It's going to be like a we got a game for two quarters or so, three quarters maybe. But I think Oregon pulls away so i think oregon's just this offense is is too much i think they're going to get enough stops to uh to take care of texas tech maybe like a 38 21 38 20 kind of game wow here's where i stun the this is my big one my upset special of the weekend matt green wow everyone's gone way too far on oregon like oregon just beat the crap out of who portland state whoever it was I think that's what it was. Great. <laughs> Great. Do you know who they're not going to beat this week? A pissed off Texas Tech team that, hey, had the balls to schedule Laramie, Wyoming in their opener at night and weirdness. They were up 17 nothing early. Remember, they jumped on Wyoming. They looked good out of the gate. Tyler Shook, formerly a big-time recruit for Oregon. Big transfer in this game two mighty transfers with shook and bonix in this one i have a hard time seeing a texas tech team that i thought was going to go nine and three ten and two this year starts off oh and two i think a lot of people sold texas tech off where they're like oh so we get for buying into joe mcguire in this group this is a revenge game shook was replaced he wants to get back this is a home game for texas tech this is their Super Bowl. Oregon at home here? This is a big one. Oregon's top 10 team, CFP playoff team from a lot of people. I think Josh Pate had him in his playoff before the year got started here. He threw for 338 yards last week, three touchdowns. I just, I think this offense is very good. I think there's an overcorrection on Oregon. Oregon's not there yet. I, I'm not a, I, I think this was the worst case scenario for Oregon right out of the gate was texas tech losing in heartbreaking fashion throwing the game away really against wyoming late i think they bounce back in a major way and they win this game outright i'm gonna say texas tech 35 oregon 31 wow that is a uh that's a hot take right there sir I, I like the ducks this year just shy of the playoff. I got. I think I picked mm. him to win the Pac-12. We both picked him to win the Pac-12, right? Uh, yes. And they um, still can. This is a non-conference game. 
Of course. Um, keeping it moving. Another home dog. We got the Wisconsin Badgers going out mm. to Pullman, Washington to face the Cougars, the only one of the only teams left out in the Pac-12, whatever you want to call the Pac-2. Washington State's a six and a half point home dog in this one. They won this game a year ago at Wisconsin, 17-14. This is a game I've gone back and forth on. I think um I really obviously I've talked about how much I like Luke Fickle and, and Tanner Mordecai coming over. Looked a little shaky last week through two interceptions, and that's that's with that that's while the team was rushing for 300 yards. Uh he threw two interceptions in a game like that. So I feel like year one, I think weird things happen for guys, for coaches in year one, not necessarily reflective of how good of coaches they are. The fact that Washington State won this game a year ago and now they're going to be at home versus Wisconsin, I feel like weird things happen in Pullman, Washington. This this feels like Washington's going to bring them down in the trench, or Washington State's going to bring them down in the uh, – in the trenches with them. And this feels like it's going to be an ugly, like a 16 to 13 kind of game. Maybe even Cam Ward goes off and they score a few more points, but I think he's just uh he's a dangerous quarterback that can make some plays. And I think there's something too kind of going out West coast, like going on the road this early in the season, um, this early in Luke Fickle's tenure. I think I'm gonna have to take another home dog. I'm gonna go to Washington state to, uh, to beat Wisconsin. Wow. Back to back. Because you know the Cougs beat them in Wisconsin last year. Yeah. It's a big upset, Matt Green. I like their their OC. Their OC, uh, Arbuckle, it's like 26. <laughs> He's super young. Um, but uh, he was a FCS guy. Or I think he was Incarnate Ward, I want to say. Um, I know that's where Cam Ward was. Where did he come from? I, he was another FCS school, but a lot of FCS guys um, uh, in Pullman. Cam Ward, a lot of fun. Maybe an FCS school here in a few years. <laughs> Goodness, don't kick them while they're down, Matt Green. No, do no. It? I, I love the Cougs. I love the Cougs. Just picked them with this game. I can't go there, though. We're just flapping our gums. Wisconsin, I think they're going to be much more equipped for this one. They're running the air raid, too. This is uh, weirdly going to be a similar style kind of game, which is the antithesis, antithesis of what we saw last year, where... I remember Braylon Allen and uh, the Clemson transfer running back that um, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, the smaller back. Um, they were alternating and stuff like that. You're not going to see that ground and pound style here to uh, on Saturday. They ran Pullman. for 300 yards in week one. What I'm Wisconsin. saying is Tanner Mordecai is going to open up. I think they're going to have to score. I think they're going to have to throw the ball around in this one and make stuff happen through the air. And I think they will. I think this is going to be one where you look at it and you're like, is this really 42-39 late in this one? And it's like Wisconsin, Wazoo? It's just going to take some time for us to get used to high-scoring Wisconsin and fun offense Wisconsin. I think they have more dudes. I think they bounce back this year. They don't lose too straight to the Cougs in this series. Give me Wisconsin to win and cover. Give me Wisconsin 45, Washington State 35. Mm, put it on the board. Uh, and our last one on our slate, 10.30 Eastern time kickoff. I love it because it got a game I'm interested in this late. I just hope I can make it all the way through. 10.30, that's that's a long day of college football, but hopefully I can uh, I can power through. Do you think you're going to make it? Uh, UCLA, Coastal Carolina. I didn't, I didn't make it all the way through that one last week, and I was low-key interested in that one. It was a pretty good game. 
There was no um, chance. That was the easiest bet. I told a buddy last week, I was like, if there's one game you want to put the mortgage on, UCLA is not losing at home to Tim Beck and a new non-spread weird wishbone offense with Grayson McCall and company. Never was going to happen. Of course, but the the spread, the, the spread always yeah. makes it a little more interesting. But with that said, Auburn going on the road to face the Cow Bears. And the Cal Bears are a six and a half point home dog. Again, we got another home dog in the house. Cal Bears had 300 yards rushing and 300 yards passing uh, in week one. You know, take do with that what you will. Auburn also faced what we can reasonably call the worst team in FBS, right? The worst program in FCS or in FBS, the U- UMass Minutemen. I think they have four wins in the last five seasons or something like that. So U.S. is terrible. Auburn, mm. you know, Auburn, I'm still not sold on Peyton Thorne. I uh, I just don't know what to make of this team. Like, I, as much as I trust Hugh Freeze, I just don't know what Hugh Freeze inherited. And also, listening to Hugh Freeze this week talk about their decision to to go, like, their travel, like, his worries about the travel schedule, and, like, I guess they're flying out on Thursday but in this interview, he's like, you know, but I guess since it was a, a 1030 kickoff, I, I wish we'd be fine on Friday. Like, when did you when did you learn about the 1030 kickoff? Did you not already know about this? So it's weird for him to say something that like, oh, maybe it's maybe it wasn't a good idea to fly in on Thursday. Maybe you should have flown it on Friday morning. I don't know. But the fact that he's already laying something out like that, maybe he's just is he, is he preparing for his team to get upset? Like, this is why? Because we had to, to travel all the way across the country? I don't know. I feel like Auburn is, could this be a, a, a Georgia Notre Dame situation? Is, can Auburn go out West Coast and just invade Cal Stadium? Could we see a takeover? That would be an interesting element to this. But um, Cal's been a pretty bad team in recent years. But I am going to, uh, I think I'm going to go out on a limb on this one. I feel like there's something to traveling all the way to the West Coast. I don't know, your body, time, all of that. Not really knowing about this Auburn team. It's at least like a Graham Mertz kind of situation of like Peyton Thorne has, he's a new quarterback for Auburn, but he has started in hostile environments. Like Cal is not going to be like a a stadium that he's he's rattled in or anything like that. But I'm just I'm not sore on this Auburn team yet. So I think it's going to be a bad a bad look for the SEC losing all these uh all these uh Power 5 matchups, but give me the Cow Bears to uh to somehow pull off the win, like a 20 to 17, maybe not pretty, but uh I, I think they get it done. Wow. This would be the biggest win for Cal in how long? Oh, that was the other stat I had for you. They got three straight wins over the SEC. Current oh. a current three straight a, a current three game winning streak over the SEC. They've only played they played Ole Miss home and home 20 what was it 2017, 2019 and then mm. uh beat Tennessee was it 2007 uh with Deshaun Jackson had that ridiculous punt return. Um and then the time before that the the other leg of the home and home Tennessee uh beat Cal but no. yeah they had they are currently on a three game winning streak dating back to 2007 take that for what it's worth interesting i hate Peyton Thorne at number 1 he does, he's not a number 1 guy oh great right. call great call on top of like our in addition to our uni watch type mm. of type of talk can't stand Peyton Thorne at number 1 he's not number 1 material no he's a number 18 
Number twelve. <laughs> he's not. He's not a number one. It doesn't look right. He's. Uh, it looks very out of place. He also knew Sam Jackson forever, uh, the quarterback for uh, Cal. They like he spent a lot of time uh, with one another when they were being recruited and stuff. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. It was on two four seven Sports. I read the other day. Um, so there's a lot of similarity there. Um, Robbie Ashford's gonna play, and we saw him play a little bit. So I think that's just part of it. Um, that they're just gonna have Robbie Ashford packages that um will be interesting but i just i'm not there in terms of auburn losing this game i do think cal covers i think this is going to be a sneaky great game you should watch it um if you're up that late i would highly encourage you to do so i just i'm not quite there i think this cal team may be overachieved a little bit last year i like sam jackson a lot though it's kind of weird that cal actually has a really fun offense for the first time in a long time um but i'm going to say Auburn snakes their way through this one and wins. I think this is uh, really fun. Another high-scoring one. Not a lot of defense. I'll say Auburn 38, Cal 35. All right. Put it on the board. Oh, man. I just realized, tallying up all of our picks here, I skipped one of our games Oh, I already know. I was going to bring it up. I was waiting for you to finish all these. Yeah, this is a a low-key game of the week here. Uh, one of the games I'm most interested in on the week. Uh, I'm glad we, we. I'm glad I caught myself. I had it. I, I already it down. I already know. Yeah. Texas A&M Aggies going on the road. Miami four and a half point home dog. Another home dog, and they're just trying to mm. get whoever they can to uh, come to this game. A little, little bogo action uh, to uh, get the Miami students at this game. Uh, how do you see this game going? Well, we saw A&M. And that looked like a Bobby Petrino-type offense in week one. It looked like this A&M offense is going to be fun. Connor Wegman looked really, really good at what he had 60 Ds. He passed all over him um, in this one. It, I think he's... I'm very, very excited to see how this game looks. I think Miami's offense looks a lot better uh, than we thought it was going to be. Two uh, coordinator changes in offense and defense um, this, uh, this offseason. So... That's a big one. I think the Miami defense is kind of going to be a little bit stingy here. I think this is going to be um, closer than people think. Uh, I think this will be a fun game. Excited for this one in a major way. Uh, but I had A&M win the title. Sixth in the SEC in passing offense. We didn't think that, that was going to be a possibility before the year. Fourth in passing defense. They have talent everywhere. They're just an elite put-together team more talent. I think they're better coached across the board. Miami, though, they are still 21st in total defense through the first week of the season. So I think the defense is sneaky good, and I think they're going to cause some problems for Connor Wegman and company early. But I like this A&M team a lot, and I think they're going to survive on the road uh, at Miami. Give me A&M 28, Miami 24. So that would be, that's four and a half. Mm. So are you taking Miami? I'm taking Miami to cover and him to win. All right. I, um, hot take for you for this game. The announcers are going to comment on how many Texas A&M fans are at this game. Mm. I think it's going to be like noticeable. Like not saying they turn this into an A&M home game, but I think it's going to be noticeable that how how big the the Texas A&M portion of the of the stadium is. So, 
I just I think AM's just a better team. I'm not I'm not sold on Miami right now. This was a this is an ugly game between these two teams a year ago. Uh both of them, I guess, played good defense for what it's worth. And both these offenses were just awful a year ago. Um, but I just think AM's significantly improved, and I don't know that Miami is. So I think with the playmakers AM's got, I think they I think they win this game like fairly easily. I think this is like a, a a 31, like, I don't know, 14 type of game. Like I think, I think A&M takes care of business in this one. Okay. I like it. Also, I've sold all my Miami stock with Tyler Van Dyne being trademarked by Tyler Van Dyke. <laughs> Can't do it. Tyler Van Dyke's been sneaky, maybe bad for the last year and a half. Like, can you put together like a month stretch of quality play? Even Brennan play? Armstrong, man. It's like, the 2021 versions of those guys looked looked really good. Yeah. And if they can if they can get back to that, those teams can be a lot better. But it remains to be seen. Tyler Van Dyne, though, Oof. <laughs> not that that's what did it for you. Now you're selling it. I can't stand it. Like that's just it's cringe. Too cringe for me, Matt Green. I hear you. That's that's where you draw the line. I just I don't like it. Bad omen there. Well, Matt Green, there we go. Week two, we had a lot of disagreements here. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, this. This should be a uh, real interesting week for the uh, for the standings here. A lot of a uh, lot of upset picks, honestly, by both of us this week. So we uh, we shall see. I think I've picked more. I don't. I'd have to count how many uh, underdogs I picked, including uh, Road Dog with the Texas Longhorns. So we'll uh, we'll see. I might I might dig myself into a hole, or uh, you know. Or one of us might be in a hole after this week. Okay. I like it. Matt Green, always a pleasure. And I'll talk to you Sunday night. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.